Today's reading is from Matthew chapters 10 and 11. Jesus said, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Now when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me in a spirit of prayer. Loving and living God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of every one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning, Mount Olivet. It is a real joy to be here with you this morning. My name is Jessica Christie, and I am a student at Luther Seminary. In a little over a month, I will be starting my Lutheran internship year at Mount Olive Church in South Minneapolis. Some of you know me already from attending various adult ed services or coming to worship with my parents, Neil and Angela Christie, but this is my first time helping lead your community in worship, so if I'm a new face, hi, it's really great to be here. For the last three weeks, this congregation has been reading the instructions that Jesus gives to his disciples before sending them out on their first mission in the book of Matthew. My hope is that I can help wrap up this long discourse for you, because after everything that Jesus has said these past weeks, it feels like there's a lot that needs to be resolved. The previous verses in this chapter haven't exactly showed us a warm and cuddly side of our Lord. He has some pretty scary things to say. He gives his disciples the power to heal and commissions them to go out and proclaim the gospel. But then he tells them that they have to go out into the world without any money or supplies. He tells them that they will be persecuted for their faith. He says that their message will create division, that even parents and their own children will come into conflict as people are forced to decide where their loyalties really lie. And then he tells them that they're going to have to take up their cross and lose their lives in order to learn what God really wants for them. And sure, there have been some words of comfort woven in there these past weeks, but yikes. If I were a disciple, I think I'd be wondering what the heck I was getting myself into. I mean, being able to heal the sick and cast out demons, it sounds pretty cool, but I think I'd be asking myself if it was worth it at the cost of my home or my family or my life. But then Jesus wraps up the speech with this passage that we just read, and suddenly everything makes sense. The disciples 
are representatives of Christ himself, and Christ is God's representative on earth, and that means that the 12 are quite literally bringing God's presence into new places. Whoever welcomes them is welcoming God. They are bringing God into people's lives, and that is a mission that's worth some sacrifice. Now, that's a powerful message, but how are we going to hear it? Whenever we read a story in the Bible, it's important for us to stop and think about whose perspective we're hearing it from. In the Exodus, do we identify with Moses or Miriam, the Israelites or the Egyptians? In the Gospels, do we see ourselves as the disciples or the crowds or the Pharisees or the Romans? So when we hear Jesus give these instructions, we have to ask ourselves, are we hearing them as the guests or as the hosts? Do we think of ourselves as the travelers or as the people who stay put? Are we the people who need a welcome or the people who offer it? I think that in the church, we're used to thinking of ourselves as the host. It's embedded in our culture. I don't know exactly how things work at Mount Olivet, but generally speaking, we in the church like to talk about creating welcoming congregations. All are welcome in this place, we sing. We have teams of people who reach out to guests, and we try to invite people in so they can share in our experience of the living God. And for as long as we meet together and have resources to share with the world, offering hospitality is going to be central to the church's mission. And in this passage, there is no question that Jesus praises those who welcome others for the sake of the gospel. However, I think that if we only think of ourselves as the gracious, welcoming hosts, we might miss out on something important. To put it bluntly, inviting the world to come to us isn't cutting it anymore. I'm sure you've all seen the charts, church attendance going down across the nation. People don't just come to us like they once did. I have a professor at Luther Seminary who says that the church's challenge in the 21st century is to stop thinking of ourselves as the hosts and start learning to think of ourselves as guests. It was once safe for us to assume that this nation was culturally and spiritually ours, but things have changed. More and more people are practicing different faiths or no faith at all. So as this century goes on, we're increasingly going to find ourselves as travelers in a foreign land we're going to need to witness to the gospel in unfamiliar situations. We're going to need to trust in the hospitality of people who may or may not like what we have to say. And as Jesus acknowledges to his disciples, being a guest can be uncomfortable. It can be scary. You're no longer in control of what you eat or where you sleep. You have to put up with someone else's habits and resources. 
You don't know how people are going to react to who you are and what you have to say. You're dependent on the goodwill of others, so you give up a lot of power over your own life. That can be unpleasant, but Jesus says this is how the good news spreads through the world. God is present through these new relationships that we build in the name of the gospel. After my professor told me this, that the church needs to learn to be a guest, I kept wondering what that might look like. It sounds good in theory, but I wanted to know what that meant in practice. Well, I'm grateful to say that Mount Olivet recently gave me a grace-filled example of how a church can open itself to receive hospitality. I hear that some members of your community recently had a very powerful experience of hospitality at the Northwest Islamic Community Center, where a group went to serve an iftar meal to our Muslim neighbors. Pastor Joel has written a really beautiful blog post about it on Mount Olivet's website, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it yet, so I'm not going to tell all the details of the story here. But, as Pastor Joel tells it, he went in thinking that Mount Olivet was bringing a gift to the Muslim community, funds and servers. But as the night went on, it became clear that the people of Mount Olivet were the guests of the meal, far more than they were its hosts. And in that realization was a wonderful revelation of God's grace. You witnessed to God's love in an unfamiliar context, and God showed up in a beautiful new way People of Mount Olivet, keep that up. Keep learning to be guests. Learn to trust that the Holy Spirit will catch you when you take a leap of faith, and then tell the whole world the story of what God has done for you. So now that we've thought a bit about receiving hospitality for the sake of the gospel, let's take a fresh look at what Jesus says about giving hospitality. What does it actually mean to be a host in God's kingdom? In the Roman world, where Jesus lived, being a host was an exercise of power. The person who spent money on others was the person in charge. If a rich man sponsored feasts or entertainment for the people of the city, those people owed him their loyalty. They were supposed to honor him for the power he held over their lives. But when Jesus talks here about being a host, he doesn't talk about fancy banquets or lavish displays of wealth. He talks about giving someone a cup of cold water on a hot, dusty day. He talks about giving a wanderer a place to sleep for the night. Jesus doesn't make these promises to the powerful host who sits at the head of the table. He makes those promises to the person who's taking care of the basic needs of ordinary Christians. He says that by doing something as simple as giving water to God's people, you're serving God because you're helping the gospel be proclaimed. I love how this lifts up all the behind-the-scenes work that goes into every church and keeps it running. The custodians who give us safe and clean places to worship, the altar guilds that make sure we have bread and wine and water for the sacraments, 
everyone who provides food for congregational gatherings so God's people can nourish their bodies and their souls together. It's easy to overlook all this work. It's not glamorous, it's not flashy, it's not prestigious, but it allows our communities to experience God together. It allows us to welcome Christ into our midst. So when we, the church, think of ourselves as people with something to give, when we think of ourselves as hosts, we need to do so with humility. Showing someone hospitality for the sake of Jesus Christ is an act of simple service, not an exercise of power. We might not receive any obvious reward. We might not ever even see that person again, but we can know that we have helped to share the gospel and that God has come among us. So wherever you find yourself, as the host or the guest, as the one who gives or the one who receives, keep looking for how God is present among you. Because friends, God is here. Keep putting yourself out there to show God to the world and keep your hearts open to see how the world is showing God to you. Do this and Christ will show up here and now, in you and with you and for you. And truly I tell you, none of you will lose that reward. Amen. <laughs>